2: At LuckyLandslots.com.
0: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The 500. The 500. J-A-M been walking us down through. 2012 edition so it ain't nothing to you Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The King of peaceful for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end With my man J
1: M. On the 500 Talking the 500 until the end Today
2: is gonna be the day That they're gonna throw it back to you What does that mean? Now you Who's re- throwing what, what to you gotta me? Do.
1: I need to know I don't Noel, that feels Liam The mystery the lyrics I of Oasis The song is now. Wonderwall from the 1995 record What's the story, Morning Glory? It's also number 378 out of 500 On the 500 with Jam, me, Josh Adam Myers, the King of Fleece, the King Cadougal. What's up, you doogly-spooglies? Fleece Army, man, oh man, oh shavits, it has been a week. We're coming off the TLC tip. We're in like a full 90s explosion right now. I wanna thank everybody that came out to see me at the House of Comedy in Minnesota. The shows were great. Uh, Bombed hard, first show Saturday, second show got a standing ovation. Really proud of that. Chelsea, you were there. I fucking love you. A lot of Fleece Army was there. You can see me this weekend, March 11th through the 13th at American Comedy Company in San Diego. Three shows Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm bringing Leka, bringing my friend Jenny Zagrino, maybe some other surprises. It's going to be fun. All tickets are at my website, joshadammyers.com. And guys, we have our Patreon. Join it. Because we got new episodes of Make Me a Fan of Your Record. Records that didn't make the list. I'm sitting down with people like John Doerr. We're doing Tragically Hip. I got Jeremiah Watkins coming up. I got Ryan Sickler. I got a bunch of good stuff. Plus, you get the video a day before it drops on YouTube. $5 a month. Patreon.com backslash the500podcast. This is a very, very special episode. Very, 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 very... Did I say very special? Why is it very special? Because I have two die-hard fans of the band Oasis. I couldn't decide who to put on, so I said fuck it, because both of them asked, so I got both. Two of my very, very good friends, Jim Jeffries and Steve Byrne. If you don't know who Jim Jeffries are, you're a fucking idiot. He's one of the funniest comedians working today. And if you don't know who Steve Byrne is, same thing applies. Both of them die hard Oasis fans. Hysterical episode. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500 and listen free on all platforms. If you're listening on Apple, leave us a five star rating and a review. You can follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and go to my website, joshadammyers.com, for videos, shows, everything. Email the podcast to 500podcast at gmail.com and follow the Facebook group, the 500 Podcast with Jam, run by Crazy Evan. He's so zany. And for all things 500, go to our website the500podcast.com guys I'm excited you're excited there's nothing left to say but let me see if I can do my own uh Liam here we go with, with number 378 what's the story morning glory by Oasis it's not very good but I try my best What's up, everybody? Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Sunset Lake CBD. They are a farm-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. For years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And then in 2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. With a product for everyone, they offer pre-rolls. Hemp cigars, hemp flowers, as well as tinctures. The tincture is incredible. I took it, removed all my anxiety. I was 100% relaxed. And then when my dog Lekka hurt her paw, my friend Justin Silver, who's a dog trainer, was like, you need to give her CBD. And I was like, oh my God, I got shipped a bunch of stuff from Sunset Lake. Let me give it to the dog. And my dog was walking better a day and a half later, and I give it to her every day She loves it. It's good for them. It's good for you. CBD is one of the dopest therapeutic things in the world. Sunset Lake CBD will save you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. So for high-quality CBD, go to sunsetlakecbd.com. Use code JAM500 for 20% off all products. Do it. Do it. Dead. All right, so let's just dive into it because there's no point in dilly dallying. So, since I've known you, Jim, and Steve, I've associated. One band with both of y'all, uh, Jim. Because we talked about. It. I think that was when I had to do the jam the first time. You talked. We talked about Oasis, uh, and Steve, you dress. I mean, you, right now you are dressed exactly in a Liam Gallagher outfit. My pretty green parka. Yeah, <laughs> you're drunk and you're spitting at the pop. Um, <laughs> That's right. So let's start with you, Steve, because like, so tell me how this this fascination with Oasis began?
3: Well, the fascination began, I was in college. I heard, I always liked alternative music. I never liked all the kids loved Tupac and Biggie and hip hop. And I just never got into it. And I always loved the Beatles. And then I hear this song, Wonderwall. And it was just those last piano. Chords, dun, 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 dun. And I was like, wow, that, I don't know. There's something like I was in a trance after hearing that. And I went out and bought the CD and I barreled through it and I I fucking loved it. And then I worked at a record store, and this guy's like, You gotta listen to the one before it. It's even better. Definitely maybe. I'm like, what is this? And I, I heard it. And then you go down this rabbit hole at the time where you could go to CD stores and you would have to buy these Japanese imports, and you get all these singles that you've never heard, or like these Beatles covers. And it was one of those bands where as soon as I heard it, I was hooked. There was something melodic and the lyric spoke to me. But then I pick up Q magazines, right? Like all these Q magazines, Mojo and Q and NME and all these different magazines. And you're reading the, the interviews. You're like, these guys don't give a fuck. They're hilarious. And that's why to this day, I still buy all these magazines. I know people that love The Stones, people that love Van Halen, people that love The Killers, and you could love these bands, but there was something more where you wanted to learn about this band. You wanted to learn about what they're doing today or tomorrow, or their take on Blur, or their take on, you know, Jamiroquai, or whoever it might be, and whoever they're shitting on. So it was almost like, I love the music, but then I I love the band just as much as I love the music.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, Jim, you're up, and hopefully you have some magazines and shit. I
4: have, a, I have a very, very similar story. <laughs> so I, I was date. I was like 18. I was dating like this hipster chick in Australia. Well, hipster chick in Australia means uh, she wasn't wearing shoes, and um, <laughs> she <laughs> and so and so she was really into like all the new music, or whatever. And I'd heard of Oasis. And as, same as Steve said, I like the Beatles and that sort of stuff. And I thought they were just sort of like piss takes of the Beatles. And so I, I, I was reluctant to get into them. And she kept on playing the album we we're about to talk to. And then the same thing, they, they actually they had a petition in Australia to bring them out to Australia. And they never came until be here now. And we all know what happened there. There was a Scon incident on the plane and all that type <laughs> of stuff. I went to that concert in Perth, right? But anyway... Uh, Then I listened to the first album. I was like, fuck me, they're all hits. And then it's like, Master Plan came out with all the B sides. I was like, their B sides are better than all the other albums. I I was listening to these albums and I liked every single track. And then it became sort of unfashionable to like the Beatles. And I was like, nah, fuck off. I fucking, no, Oasis. I I fucking love Oasis. Go fuck yourself, man. And then I was in Britain and I saw them (laughs) live maybe 10, 12 times when I was living in the UK. I was down to my last 50 pounds in the UK. I moved over there with a thousand quid and to set myself up to go do comedy. I was down to 50 bucks and I had no gigs booked or anything. I didn't have a job or anything. And I decided to go see them. They were doing, um, heathen chemistry album and they were doing a, a warm up gig at the Hammersmith Apollo before they did the arenas. Right. And so I went down and there was this guy and he sold me a ticket and he goes, he goes, no, no, no. It's uh it's uh it's, it's 40 quid to get in. The ticket was only 20 bucks because it was a warm-up gig, right? 20 quid. Yeah. And I was like, oh, come on, man. I love Oasis. I don't have this money. He goes, no, nah, it's 50 quid. And I go, how about 40? How about 40? Leave me 10 bucks to buy a fucking drink, man. He's like, no, nah, it's 50. It's 50. It's 50. He said, don't worry about it. I chased the guy down the fucking street to give him the money. <laughs> I chased him down the street to buy a forge ticket oh. and I fucking get up to the counter and then the hologram doesn't read oh. I've just got this fucking shitty print out of a fucking ticket and I went into this bar and I said oh, I've been ripped off and I had my I, I just sat there and ordered a water and then there was another bloke there who'd been ripped off who bought me a beer and the guy in the bar actually gave me a job that day to be a bartender and I got my first oh, wow. job and uh, he commiserated, and I'll tell you a funny story about that bloke. He was a big Oasis fan as well, and he couldn't get into the concert. And the big joke that this cunt always did, he loved this joke, right? Whenever we are in the park and we had specials, he'd always go, ah, and the special today is Oasis Soup. And then I was like, yes. And he goes, ask me why it's Oasis Soup. And I go, uh, why is it Oasis Soup? Because you get a roll with it. Ah. Right, that was, his <laughs> big, <laughs> that was his big fucking gang. Anyway, so I, I just, yeah, I, I, I've interviewed Noel. I once interviewed Noel on my TV show, and that was like Comedy Central, like, oh, but no one really listens to Oasis anymore. And I went, that's what I want to do on my TV show is interview Noel Gallagher. It was one of the great meetings of my fucking life. I fucking love the guy.
1: Both of you guys have sang Wonderwall on the goddamn Comedy Jam. Jim, you did it on the TV shows. Wait, but it's. I always looked at you guys because Jim. I know there's like I know you. There's like the Stone Roses
4: and the Beatles, and and I think oh, the, the, the Stone Roses have got. There's, there's no there's no Oasis without the Stone Roses, right? But right now in the pandemic, you have to check out Ian Brown's Twitter. He's uh, he's an anti vaxxer and he's gone to fucking town, right now. In, in and I love him. I've got a picture of Ian Brown in my office, and uh, I fucking love Ian Brown. Ian Brown's like, I won't fucking let anyone come to a concert if they have to be vaccinated. People just come and hear me fucking sing. Now, in Britain, there's a holiday camp called uh, Butlands. And Butlands is like you're on a cruise ship, but you're still on the land, right? You take your whole family there for like a summer camp, and then you go up and you see the entertainment. They might do a Disney show one day and all this type of stuff, right? And Ian Brown tweeted the other day. He tweeted, he goes, I won't sing in front of anybody who needs to have a vaccine like that, right? And then someone tweeted underneath, "Isn't that up to Butlins?" So, so, <laughs> <laughs> no. but I always like that sort of whole because, because living in, I lived in Manchester before Oasis and the Stone Roses. People were just listening to shit. They were just listening to dance music and popping pills at the hacienda. And The hacienda now is where the comedy store is and a bunch of apartments the whole rave culture in Britain all started from Manchester and to have guitar music actually beat that out. It was a real fucking movement. man. Yeah. Well, well. so,
1: so what's the obsession then? Cause I've always looked at Oasis. Listen, I love Oasis. I I was, I had my Brit pop obsession in the early two thousands. It really started with Radiohead never got into blur, but it's, I think I've always been fascinated with British music. I feel like the best music in the world is always coming out of England. But the two of you, like when when this album was but was coming up, both of you were like, "I got dibs on this," and I was like, "And you're two of my two of like my 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 favorite people in the world." And I was like, "Well, fucking, I I, f- I would feel bad if I have one on because you both." I love have this I group. have
4: dibs on Be Here Now when it comes in at number one greatest now. <laughs> if you listen to Be Here Now, I call it my cocaine oh. album. Right, everything's overproduced and long and just. <laughs> sound and like, there's, there's an airplane that's coming into land for like a minute and a half. <laughs> and then, like, all yeah. around the world lasts eight and a half minutes because it had to be the same length as Hey Jude. And there's a lot of fucking shit on that yeah. album, but I still fucking love that album, man. Every song could be half. Do
1: you a know song. what I mean? Yeah. I love that album. Too. Do you know what I mean? Is one of my favorite Oasis songs. I fucking love that song. I don't care what anybody says. I know the story behind the record. I, I haven't listened to the full record in a shit long time, but dude that shit
3: drugs, this album is now. you is, can't do it sober that one you gotta get into it well Josh I, let me play you this this is when I I fell in love with uh, Noel okay like I, I remember hearing this they go they go oh you've been nominated for all this stuff and are you happy and this is the this is like the video where I was like oh my god
4: what you ask me if I'm happy listen I've got 87 million pound in the bank I've got a Rolls Royce I've got three stalkers I'm about to go on the board at Manchester City
0: part of the greatest band in the world. Am I happy with that? No, I'm not. I want more. No!
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I play that for people all the time. They're like, why do you still listen to them all the time? I'm like, because of this. It was always like this brash attitude and optimism. And just, it, it was a great, it was a great set of tunes to, to, to place within the foundation of your twenties to spring you forward through life because it told you you could do anything and we were listening to nirvana we were listening to pearl jam and these grunge bands that didn't want fame and then these guys come along like i want it all and it's like yeah who doesn't who doesn't dream of better yeah, days
4: yeah uh, when, so I, when was- I when i interviewed Noel, the one thing they said to me was uh don't ask him about his brother <laughs> so, so that was the one note and i had to talk about his new album and all that type of stuff right i think we had a great interview and at the end of the interview i went uh I went, look, one more question. I'd hate myself if I didn't ask this question, but as a big Oasis fan, I need to know. And he just sat back and <laughs> he, was about, yeah. he was about to fucking hit me. And I went, And I went. I need to ask. He goes, yes. I went, do you like me?
0: <laughs>
4: and he goes, yeah, you're all right. You're all right. You're fucking drinking and all that type of stuff and swearing and all that. And I go, will we ever hang out? He went, no. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. My favorite, my, my favorite Noel quote is this one. You'll know this one, Steve. When he's, when he's explaining his brother and he goes, not, uh, he goes, Liam is like a man living in a world of soup and he's holding a fork. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, the press, they always made it seem like Noel was the ambassador, right, the cool one, and Liam was the whack job. And slowly it rolls out over the last few years that Liam's actually kind of grounded and Noel's kind of a little bitchy. And I was, I was going to see them in Vegas. Um, when, when Brandon Flowers walked into the, into the hard rock to see them at the joint, when he decided he's going to be in the killers. And I was at that show and I flew from New York city, had a layover in Los Angeles to go to Vegas. And in that layover, as I'm going to Vegas to go watch Oasis, Oasis gets on the plane. And we were we, we get off the plane, and I, I, I walk over to Noel, and I'm with my girlfriend at the time. I go, Noel, I flew from New York to see you. Can I just get a picture? And he was sitting there waiting for his bags, and he, he had his sunglasses on. He goes, oh, let's get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> so he stood up, and I got a picture with him, and I go over to get my bags, and Liam was waiting for his bags, talking to one of the roadies. I go, Liam, I came from New York. Can I get a picture? He go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get a picture. He goes, so what you doing? Where are you coming from New York? I go, oh. he asked me what I do for a living. I go, I'm a standup comedian. He spent the next 10 minutes asking me what it's like to be a standup comedian. He loves New York. He's always wanted to see a standup show in New York and all this just on and on and on. And then his handlers pulled him away. I was like, wow, it was the complete opposite of what I've been told in all these goddamn magazines. And it was really cool to have, you know, Met two people I really respect and idolize, even even all these years later.
1: You know what's funny is like I always kind of looked at Oasis as like a Beatles ripoff. This is when it first dropped. I was like, "This well, is." Well, there's a
4: lot. There's a lot of indications that they are. <laughs>
1: there's a lot yeah, of stuff he that- said it. He he yeah. basically said it's like you know, Beatles is our favorite band. They're in a sense taking their formula, and I and I always kind of like, yeah, I like Wonderwall. Yeah, I like I like Don't Look Back in Anger, but. It wasn't until they performed on the I'm pretty sure it was the VMAs and they did Champagne Supernova. And and Liam, it we're gonna play that clip towards the end. In the mid, right at the end of the song, he's like, and we don't need yeah, something, something for the summer. And then he spits on MTV. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's the most badass shit
4: I have ever seen in my life. I always like that Liam would leave the stage the second he finished. It. He's part of the song, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if he's singing and last bit of lyrics, he doesn't wait for dun 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 dun. dun. He's off. He's fucking gone off to the side. The, the show's side over. There, yeah.
3: I was like, uh, I, well, I just got one more thing that I I had seen recently, uh, Josh and Jim. I'm sure you know this one too, but um, the guy from Blink One Eighty Two, I think Tom. They were doing this Warp tour, and Blink One Eighty Two is performing, and, and and Oasis comes to the states. They're performing. And and they're all backstage, and the door kicks open, and Liam Galler walks in, and Blink-182, they're in. He goes, Blink-182? And they go, yeah, yeah, you're, you're Oasis. He goes, yeah, look, you guys, since I've been in America, you're the best I've seen. And they go, oh, thanks, man, you like us? He goes, I didn't say that, and he walks out.
4: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard the Maroon 5 story, right? So they're up in the Hollywood Hills and this is when they were playing like um, fucking, you know, they weren't that big in America, right? They were still playing moderate-sized so rents. So they're in the Hollywood Hills having a party and they, they, they meet this guy who comes up to Noel and goes, Noel, you're the reason I got into music. I just fucking love you. You're my favourite guitarist, whatever. And he's like, oh, fucking thank you, Mom. Thank you. That's really sweet. Yeah, really, really nice here. And he goes, I'm in a band as well. And he goes, oh, yeah, what's your band? And he goes, Maroon 5, he goes, you're fucking shit. You're fucking banned. You're fucking, you're fucking banned as shit. Like this, right? Anyway, anyway, cut, cut, to, cut to about three hours later. He's still drinking at the party, doing cocaine and all that type of stuff, right? He's lined up to go to the toilet and that bloke's there. And he goes, why the fuck are you still here? You're fucking. He goes, you're fucking shit. And then the guy goes, it's my house. I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that's well, a fucking nice man you got here, that. man. It's a fucking nice house. You done well for yourself.
1: Uh, it uh, that's so funny. Dude, you, do, I, you do such a good fucking impersonation of them, man. It is so – I know you do – like you said you did two impersonations. Well, actually, well, a long time ago, you said you only did one, which was Homer Simpson. I do Homer you, you Simpson and
4: it. Cliff Clavin because they're the same. Oh, 100%. But I, I lived in Manchester for a long time. Well, Cliff Clavin – looks sweet sweet. Hey, the postal service is the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i tell you what, they know me. It's
1: the sign voice. Hey, everybody. So you guys have probably heard me talk about how I've been in bands my whole life. Uh, I love writing songs and performing in front of crowds. Uh, just like with comedy, as a musician, it can be kind of hard to cut through the noise and really stand out as an artist. I feel like half the music projects I've been in have ended just because we couldn't figure out the answer to that eternal question of how do we get people to hear us? But then again, that was before there was DistroKid. DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that brings your sound to the masses. It's a one-stop shop for getting your songs on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many more. What's Deezer? i never even heard of Deezer. How many of them are there? I know all that that's like the holy grail of streaming services though. And and getting paid. They want to we want to get you paid for your music. That's huge because a lot of bands go broke before they get big. But DistroKid collects earnings and payments and sends 100% of these earnings to artists minus banking fees and applicable taxes. And that's just one of the tons of benefits of using DistroKid. You can send big files to anyone with their instant share feature. You can use the hyper follow feature to promote your release and get pre-saves on your song. You can even create personal landing pages for yourself, your band, your brand, and whatever you like. It has a free Spotify Canvas generator too to generate your own Spotify Canvas for your songs. And the Mixia feature instantly masters your tracks for higher quality audio. So if you're ready, To bring your band to the next level, it's time to check out DistroKid. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS and Android. Go to the app or Play Store to download it. Listeners of this show can get 30% off their first year by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the 500. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash the 500 for 30% off your first year. Dig it. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the
0: end, what will I become? Senwa Saga: Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. But uh so, <laughs> but, Oh, that's great.
1: So is so is so cuz I've always noticed that most of the people that love that really, I'm not going to say just really like, but it's like there's not there's no in between with Oasis. It's, it's like either Oh, I'm going to don't Fox. like them at all. Or oh, you fucking love them. So, so why? Why are you guys like? What's the main? Is it this record? Is it just the the volatility of their careers? Is it the rivalries? Like why?
4: I think it's the first two albums are the real things that that solidify it for you. Where you, those two albums are just every track, every track I can listen to. Everyone, I don't skip over a single track when I listen to it every single time. And and Master Plan's the same way. Where you got going? How the fuck are these things B sides? You know, and then. The, every, Every other album past that, you start going, there's three tracks on each album that could have been on any one of the albums where you go, that one's still gold and that one's still good. And it's, you know, I also like the drama of it as well, that there's two brothers that you can tell they love each other, but they fucking hate each other. Which They write songs where we need each other, we believe in each other, and it's like, and then they don't talk on fucking tours and stuff like that. And I have brothers that I love who are fucking pain in the asses. Both of them, you brothers, but I fucking love them. You know, I I I relate to it in some way.
3: Yeah, I think you 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 enjoy the soap opera of it all. But I think especially when I was younger and I was a comic in New York City and i was starting off, it's like, oh, I should talk shit on people too. You know, you have some confidence in yourself. And I remember I talked shit. I was doing some. It's just when websites start coming along and Cringe Humor came out and Patrick obviously owns the stand now, but he did this website called Cringe Humor that was all about the stand-up scene in New York City. And I went on it and he was asking me about stuff and it, and like Comedy Central was all into like Dimitri and Burbiglia, and I equated them to being like Radiohead and I'm like, I'm fucking Oasis. I'm like a man of the streets. <laughs> and so we're doing this and I'm talking shit on, on Dimitri and we're friends and I'm just... I'm slagging him, and and then it comes out. And like two weeks later, he calls me. He's like, hey, why'd you talk shit about me? I thought we're friends. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's probably bad. And so I just realized real quick, I don't have that capacity in myself to talk shit on people and stand by it. And I also didn't have the hits. I think if you can have the hits, if you have the success, if you have this global success, and you and, and you're... Your tunes are almost undeniable. Yeah, I think you you've earned the right to talk a little shit on people, but I didn't have any of that. So so I learned pretty quick that 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 works for a very specific kind of human being because I know even in reading interviews Brandon Flowers I think he was influenced by Oasis in early interviews because he talked a lot of shit on people and he said the last few years he's had to make amends and call people and apologize. Now I don't know specifically but in just interviews i've read that that seems to be the yeah. case
1: yeah i i think it's it's like i think well morty you're going to tell us about the story and the rivalries that they had so morty why don't you go ahead and fill us in and catch us up to this record okay
2: all right so let's start with let will start with this record okay so released on october 2nd of 1995 on creation records and produced by owen morris and noel gallagher this is the second album by the manchester england brit pop rock band i just want to give a quick shout out february 29th Another great Mancunian passed away in February uh, in 2012. Davy Jones from the Monkees, probably one of the first Manchester guys that I ever knew from pop music. So now just to put Manchester, as Jim said, into context, in the late in the late 80s, you know, Joy Division became New Orders. Smiths are there the fall. There's a musical and cultural scene that's called Madchester. And that merges '60s psychedelic rock
4: and roll with, you know, the acid house music of the time. With
2: ecstasy, right? right? They're all off their tits (laughs) on ecstasy, and they're listening to.
4: They also have a a weird thing in the north called uh, Northern Funk, where white northern people in the north of England like disco. Yeah. Right, and they're just nowhere else in England. But in Manchester and Liverpool, there's like old people like, "Fucking get dressed for the disco." And it's anyway, dope. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they're on there on
2: that, that was a lot of the basis of the music. Northern itself. soul. Northern soul. It's
4: called Northern Yeah. Soul.
2: Northern soul. They go back to sixties and stuff that a lot of Americans even missed. Once again, it's the same Liverpool thing where they got all the records that people weren't getting because of the sailors. So we have the bands, local bands like stone roses, happy Mondays, James in spiral carpets. They're the kind of bands that are local heroes. So around that time, Paul Gwigsie McGuigan starts a band called the rain with Paul bonehead. Arthur's on guitar. Tony McCarroll on drums, and a vocalist they soon fire and they replace with Gwigsy's school friend, Liam Gallagher, who suggests they change their name to Oasis. Now, Liam's older brother, Noel, is a roadie for Inspiral Carpets. He comes with the band to see Oasis's first show in 91. They're not great, but Noel sees that they have, you know, he has a bunch of songs he's written on the road, and he sees a band he could basically take over as a songwriter and the guitarist. So, joins the band you know, they, they play, they build a following, they get signed to Alan McGee's Creation Labels in 93, they put out several popular singles, then their debut album Definitely Maybe comes out. It's number one a week after its release at the time. It becomes the fastest selling debut album in
1: the UK. Huge. They do really fastest one. I that's when I heard I, about it. And I, you know, you guys are going to hate me because I, I, the only song I really know off of that record is Live Forever. Get is the that? F- okay. oh, no. You don't know, oh know, you know, c- you know
2: Supersonic yeah. Cigarettes
4: and Alcohol? Rock
2: and Roll Star. He tells you right there. He literally star. says,
1: oh, oh, no, I know that oh. one. No, I know that one. He, he literally says, I'm going to be a rock and roll.
4: Yeah. The balls <laughs> to come out with their first track is Rock and Roll Star. If yeah. you're not down with who yeah. I am, like get the fuck out of there. That yeah. should have been the, the first track on the second album, not on the yeah. first album. Yeah,
2: yeah. So they so they come out with this album, and by the way, when they first came out, like you guys, I was like, they sound like the Beatles, and I was like, well, if you're gonna rip off the Beatles, don't rip off John's melodies and Paul's lyrics. And that's how I sort of looked at Oasis. I was like, you know, <laughs> like that's probably not the right combination. So anyway, they play a bunch, years of constant touring, lots of drugs, partying. Band fights, temporary breakups, uh, mostly between Liam and, and Noel. They're back in the studio to make their second album. So they record one singer, they one single. They fire Tony McCarroll. They replace him with Alan White. And then um, he decides, Noel's like, I want to make a darker record. I want to make something with am- you know anthems. I want this to be huge, you know, everything. So according to Owen Morris, check out this, check out this. In 15 days, they record this record. The first five consecutive days, a song a day. Here's their first five days for this record. Roll with it. Hello. Wonderwall. Don't look back in anger. Champagne Supernova. They take two days off, come back and record the rest of the record in consecutive days. That's a 15 wow. days of recording. So, uh, so it's about the same time. At the same time, there's this other huge cultural musical scene called Britpop. It's all starting up and Oasis isn't really part of this, but because of their popularity, they kind of get grabbed into it.
1: How are, we, how are they not Brit pop? They're not Brit pop like, because how, they come from a different.
2: They're, they're, they're British and they're popular. Because they, it, there's a, you know, at the time there's different layers. You'll see, I'll explain it a little bit later, but they gotcha. basically, yeah, they the, basically get know. into it with blur, but this is, this is what the press concocts a lot of this, like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. It's a lot of bullshit. But they kind of run with it. So here we go. This record comes out. It gets lukewarm critical acclaim. You know, they think it's a letdown after definitely maybe. Um, it still sold three hundred and forty seven thousand copies in its first week. It didn't leave the top three for seven months. and until Adele's twenty one came out, it had the highest number of platinum certificates for what for a single record at fourteen. So it's huge. Noel's anthemic aspirations pay off. They become a stadium arena band, but they have you know near constant controversy, plagiarism lawsuits, corals, flagrant substance abuse, everything. They go on, they put on another five albums. They do a tour for each album, a few lineup changes. Then in 2009, Liam claims he has laryngitis, so they're going to cancel the festival show. Noel goes to the press and goes, nah, he doesn't, he's hungover. Liam gets pissed, he sues Noel they basically settle out of court. This is, this is brothers, by the way, in the same band. They settle out of court, but Noel's pissed. He quits the band. So the rest of the band with Liam go on and they become basically BDI.
1: That's Oasis without Noel. They carry on as BDI. They have a couple good tracks. BDI has that the opener of their their first record. I fucking forget what that shit is called, but that shit
4: slaps. Dude. Four letter word yeah. or something. It yeah. yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. It sounds like it sounds like a James Bond song. That first song, yeah.
2: So both brother both brothers carry on. You know, they put out side projects, but they haven't played together since two thousand nine. Since that time, so the demand. By the way, so the demand for the new music for them is so huge still. They just, in April of last year, 2020, they rediscovered a sound check demo of like one song. First song they released in 10 years, like a day later, a couple days later, it hits a million views on YouTube. So that's how wanted Oasis still is. So hey, there's a shit track. So oh, me.
4: that one that Noel just sort of went, I've got to It's the only song.
2: thing, you, you know, it's the only yeah. game in town. They've, they've still hugely influential.
4: At their peak, around this time, around this album, at their peak, there was an audio recording of the two of them having an argument and it got I'll
2: get to that. I'll give you the exact, I'll tell you, there you go. Wibbling rivalry. <laughs> yeah. You have it. <laughs> you With the have the Kray, it. It's the cray brothers on the cover,
4: right? I, I was trying to, the cray brothers, when I was living in London and the cray brothers, like it, there's a pub where one of the Crays shot somebody and that pub would have to seat 5,000 people for all the people that I've met who said that they were there to actually see the (laughs) crape, Everyone (laughs) allegedly was in this. But but I I had a a real cockney comedian friend and it was like a thing. We walked out of the comedy store, it was raining. And he goes, oh, this wouldn't happen if the twins were still around. Like, (laughs) they they kept law and order, they did.
2: So basically, so to end this up, they've still remained hugely influential. They've sold 75 million records. This record alone has sold 22 million records. So that's where we are. So wow. that's caught us up to where we are now.
1: No, this is. I, here's my deal with with Oasis. I, you know, because like you, somebody mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, as the albums came out after this, they were not nearly as good. And and like you said, if they would have just done these two records and then broken up, I think they would be put on the same pedestal as the Beatles and uh. the Rolling Stones and Radiohead. Nah. I do. I I just uh, they're, I, they're, I like, like the other albums,
4: man. I like them. I it, it, like became, one... it did become unfashionable to be an Oasis fan for a while. Yeah. People would just yes. sort of – it became unfashionable. But the fucking songs don't lie, man. They're, they're, they're great. They're great. They're great songs.
3: Like Jim said, though, like you, you would listen to Morning Glory, right? But here's the <laughs> thing. Totally you, you'd props, be a radio fan. Steve,
1: you have so many I'd go
3: I'm the carrot top of Oasis today. But I would go to Virgin Megastore and you go – you get your roll with it, Right. And then all of a sudden you hear it's Better People, rock and Chair, and you go to Get Some Might Say. It's Talk Tonight, Acquiesce, which Jim mentioned before, Head Shrinker. You go to Wonderwall. You got Round Our Way, Swamp Song. The Master Plan is the B-side to Wonderwall. This is crazy. And then Don't Look Back in Anger. You got uh, Come On, Feel the Noise, Step Out, and Underneath the Sky. And all these songs came to make – um, the Master Plan, that B-side track album. And in interviews I've read about Noel, Noel's like, all his friends were like, why don't you save this for like the next hour? That, if if these tracks, if the Master Plan came out and was their third album instead of Be Here Now, I think they would have sustained some longevity because these, these tunes I, I, on that Master Plan, I think are as good as anything you hear on Morning Glory because I love Master Plan. It's one of my favorite songs yeah. by them.
1: Do you guys do you guys fuck with uh their solo projects do you guys fuck with BDI I all of it yeah, yeah by all, of, all of it. Yeah, is it? Is it? Is it? And, and be honest, is it
4: just as me, good, and, or is it you Steve, just
1: holding on to that Oasis love? Me
4: and Steve have a very thin relationship, right? Steve texts me about once every three months, like there's a new song, and I go, I'm on it. <laughs> we don't talk about anything else.
3: Uh, I love it, dude. Yeah, I, I, it, it's funny because because uh, I I rarely hung out with Jim, but it's one of it, once I found out he was an Oasis fan. And I was like, oh, I want to hang out more, and then we're at the jam, we're hanging out, and un- unfortunately, I couldn't just indulge. And Josh, you know how I like to, uh, I-, I appreciate indulging in the spirits, and um, oh yeah, it's dude. been the one thing where the last time we hung out, it's like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta hit me up, we'll, we'll, we'll get some drinks, listen to tunes. So I'm like, yeah, and then I moved to Nashville, and I'm like, damn it, I, you know, even even in talking now, I'm like it makes me want to just get in the car and go where are you I- i'll bring over all my stuff we'll throw it yeah, in the CD yeah. i'll bring over some
4: jameson and rip oh, it up yeah God.
1: dude that is so funny <laughs> that is so fucking funny because i thought you guys were like just best mates because because steve when i posted the show he oh, I I had a
4: wife and kids the last time i met him but We
1: because to... <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere out of nowhere steve just hits me up he goes hey man he goes uh do you, i'm gonna get jim can we do Wonderwall on the on the virtual jam and I was like, of course. And I had no, I thought you guys just texted all the time and you're always. We
4: Oasis Oasis chat. Oasis chat sounds like a right wing fucking platform. Yeah. Yeah. When they they all all got kicked off Twitter, they go to Oasis and they chat about QAnon.
3: We got to protect this. We got to protect the statue. (laughs)
0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by
0: law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy.
3: It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend.
1: That All right, there, let's yeah. let's dive into the record because like you guys said, man, this this is a legendary record and this is damn near perfect. So it opens with hello, uh JT play the opening or play the best part in my opinion. We live in the shadows
0: how we how-
3: Gary Glitter, this is the first time I found this guy. Did you notice know the Gary Glitter thing, Steve? I never knew that Yeah, well Gary Glitter had that um that song, Nan nah, Hey. Nah, yeah. nah, and they would play Rotten that every time Yeah, every time the Pittsburgh Penguins would score a goal. They would play that song and then <laughs> and then we all learned, Oh, he molests oh. children. Maybe we should play that thing the thing That guy
4: was a pedophile in Britain for years, and we all used to mock Americans when we watched basketball. Dun, 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 hey, dun, 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 dun. and you yeah. guys would all be clapping. We go. He's probably he was in jail for about four years, and you guys were still fucking rocking out that at every fucking gym, at every sporting event.
3: And we were like, <laughs> hey. "Well, Pittsburgh, it came out, it came out, and then we gave it another year, <laughs>
4: which and they still put it. They That's still so put so it odd. in the movie, The Joker." Yeah. They still put that song when, he, when he's, when he's oh, on the yeah, stairs. That's right, were like, yeah, that's Yeah, that's kind of like a pedophile is on the floor. And and like <laughs> it took a while, but yeah, Gary Glitter he had a whole lot of child pornography on his phone. And then he, anyone who's got child pornography on their on their on their on their laptop, this this is my advice. If you get a virus, don't take it down to PC World to get it cleaned out. That's how he got caught. No one had suspected it from him. He took his computer in for repair, and they went. Our computer's all fixed. You're going to jail. We <laughs> got yeah, good news and
1: bad news. <laughs> you know, I think this is a great opener. I think this kind of gives you a little bit of, like, idea of the way the album is going to go. Uh, For I, I many think- years,
4: they sang this song when they started the concerts. They, they would start the concert with Wither yeah. Low, yeah.
1: They did open with this. Yeah. Oh wow! I've never seen them live, and that's one of the things that, like, I really, really. And it sounds like it
3: sounds like a song that's a perfect bridge to go from "Definitely Maybe" to "Morning Glory." You know, it, it still has that. It's still like a real rock and song, and you could see that on "Definitely Maybe." I think if you go back and listen to "Definitely Maybe" all the way through, it's a nice bridge to get into. I also this.
1: think it's a nice bridge into "Roll With It." you know what I mean? I feel like it yeah. sets up. I think first of all, the intro is a bunch of noises then the song kicks in and then almost as this fades out, it goes right into that guitar riff from Roll With It. Morty, go ahead and tell us a little bit about Roll With It. Okay, dokie. Okay. So this is the interesting part. This is where the Britpop
2: thing comes out. In August of 95. This is a big
4: competition, wasn't
2: it? August of 95, they have this Britpop chart battle, okay? Turns out Blur is going to put out their first single. Oasis is going to put out their first single. And the the British press goes crazy and the public eats it up that so, so for those that don't know, Oasis is from the North. So that's considered working class. That's a kind of like working class. Then Blur is from the South. That's considered middle-class. So they have not only like band struggle and pop struggle. Now it's like an actual class struggle. You know, you have these people fighting, so they go up against it. Who's going to put it out. People are taking bets. It's that big. Blur wins with country house. And then, but Oasis goes on and has bigger success in the U.S. because Wonderwall and the Don't Look Back in Anger, everything else that comes out. About this song, uh, Noel basically slags it. He goes, it's a typical Oasis song. Shut up moaning and fucking get on with it. It's the same sentiment as in nearly every other song I do. <laughs> you know, not a really deep, Raw yeah.
4: with it's not as good as, uh well, as Country House. Country House is a pretty fucking good song. Yeah, man.
2: it's like the kids. And then Roll, yeah. roll yeah. with it
4: is a weaker Oasis song. But I love how you just it. said yeah. that thing that you've just brought into the whole British fucking class system. They go, go, the people in the north are working class and the people in the south are middle class. Where's your fucking upper class, England? Where's your upper class? You're so humble that you want to go, oh, I'm just middle class. No, you're fucking stinking fucking rich cunt. Stop saying you're middle class, (laughs) you're upper class. I've never met one British person who says, oh, I'm upper class. No, no, no. They're always poor or middle. No one's above the middle.
1: (laughs) Why? Why did Blur and Oasis have such beef? Was it just they were both rising the, the bands? Public, I just remember the there public
4: was, made that beef happen. They actually get along fairly well. And then, like obviously, Noel in interviews would slag their albums off and all that type of stuff. But for the most part, I think they get along now very well.
3: Yeah, Noel's cut some tracks with Damon Albarn from the. I think he's done two songs with Damon Alburn. But I think I think they kind of got into it too. Because I remember Noel said about the guitarist, I hope he catches AIDS and dies. It's like that was
4: Richard, not Richard Ashcroft. What's his name? I bought some of his albums. Which it's one? The solo ones. Um, no, no, not Richard Ashcroft. He's he's the Verve. Um, who's the guitarist from Blue? Damon from, Damon from from Damon Albarn? No, Al- no, Damon's the lead singer. The guitarist from the oh um, from Blue. Oh, Graham Coxon. Graham Coxon, yeah, that's Graham Coxon, yeah, that's it, yeah. Anyway, we that's hope someone- he gets AIDS. If you're listening, Graham that going for
2: you, Alex? Jam- Alex James is the one. The <laughs> bass player is the one. They had a lot of is the one that sort of they had sort of beef with too. But you know, I mean, it's listen. It's the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. You know how many records they sold with people buying records just to kind of say I like them more than the other because band. It, yeah. You know, I don't care if you buy them to burn yeah. them. Just buy them.
4: But even the Ro- the Rolling Stones and the Beatles that was that was a weird thing because they said that the Rolling Stones were like the sex and the drugs and all that type of stuff. And because the Beatles were wearing suits and the Rolling Stones, the the Rolling Stones were posh kids. Yeah. They grew up in a very wealthy part of the the South. The Beatles were the working class band, but they put them in suits and they made them look fancy. And the narrative Uh that was put into society was that they, they were stuffy and the Rolling Stones were rock and roll, which wasn't the case at all.
1: Of course. I want to ask you guys a question because we're talking about rivalries. and Both of you guys have been doing stand-up for, what, you know, 20 years at least? I, I, remember- I hate Dimitri Martin. Okay, that, that was yours.
3: That was no, yours. No. I, have you had – I have a lot of respect for him. Too much respect, actually.
4: No, no. A lot, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of people have rivalries with me, but I don't have one with them. I'm just too good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's so great dude that it's so fucking great all right let's get on to the fucking hit then let's get on to the one which is arguably one of the most recognizable guitar riffs and fucking opening lines ever Buskers uh, everywhere it
4: made money it, was, it, it only got to number two it's a little known fact it only got to number two in Britain and they thought Wait, it Wonderwall Wonderwall it's, it's the most famous number two of all time I can't even tell you which was number one. There was probably some dance track I was like, oh, I'm sure Morty has more information. Morty, I'll, find no, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. I'll tell you
1: in a second. All right, here, play the play play the intro for us.
4: Right, we need to play this. I think everyone knows it, right? that it yeah, I just wanted to hear it. Yeah. How, how, I'm how sorry. Have, it's, it's, how have you gotten this far into the podcast? And you don't know fucking Wonderwall. <laughs> Someone's going, I'll oh, just tune in. Maybe I'll learn something.
1: I just, I just want to play it. Cause it's such a fucking iconic thing. Dude, you, you, everything about that opening is, is just, it's fantastic. I love when the beat kicks in. I love the fan brushes. Uh, I, I love the lyrics. But you also have to
3: remember, it came out when people watched MTV still. And that video was pretty great. It was such a trippy black and white, great visuals, kind of mod visuals with Liam in a barber's chair and, you know, this, this spiral spinning wheel behind him. It just, it, it looked great. It looked cool. They looked cool. And, and, and Noel had his green guitar that was the only thing in color in the whole video. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it was a perfect marriage of one of those few times where the video was aesthetically as pleasing as, as the, as the, um, as the sound of the song,
4: and also let's not let's not forget that this for many people were their first sight of Oasis. They yeah, the songs or whatever. The other videos sucked. Yeah. right. Supersonic was a terrible video. Live forever Horrible. was a weird. Yeah. Little... But but when you watch that video, it, I, look, I haven't been a teenage girl for the longest time. But <laughs> Liam's Liam's very very fucking good looking. He's really good looking and you don't know it. It's like it's like that Elvis thing. People had heard Elvis's voice and then they saw the videos and they were like, fuck me, he's stunning. But but with Liam, it's like he is a fucking good looking boy, man. It's like people forget that. It wasn't just the voice. He was a, he was a real front man. To be a front man, I don't think any time in music history has this ever happened. A person is that captivating and they don't fucking move. Yeah. They don't move. He just stands there with his hands behind his back with his head tilted up singing doesn't move and he is captivating you can't take your eyes off him and he's doing nothing and that's a really rare quality and he's got a thick unibrow oh, i love the i love the <laughs> monobrow <laughs>
2: so by the way the number one song everybody get ready to sing this at a pub it's i believe by robson and jerome because you know as one does they get drunk and sing this at all their big football games i believe
4: what is i believe by yeah. robson and jamone I- I think Robson and Jermaine, if I'm not... There used to be a TV show called Heartbeat, which had a couple of actors, which Simon Cowell gave like uh, Unchained Melody to and a couple of other pop songs because of all the Housewives bought it. I think Robson right and Jermaine were two actors off this, this, yeah, this yeah, TV it about, show. It was about the right yeah. time. It's number one! It's number one, it's Jesus. It's that's right, what it is. It's number, number one. It sounds better. like Jerry and the
1: Pacemakers. Too. Look at these guys, too. Can you see them? Oh, my. There's
4: it's a it, fucking handjobs. Yeah, hand yeah job. That that that's that's like when uh, when when Shakespeare in Love beat fucking yeah. Pulp Fiction yes. at the Oscars. That's all you that's need awesome. to fucking yeah, up. dude. This it, it's more
1: important. By the way, yeah. it actually Shakespeare in Love beat Saving Private Ryan. Forrest Gump beat Pulp Fiction. Jesus Christ!
4: Oh, yeah, that's dude. even worse. One Was of the greatest Ryan? war movies of all time. <laughs>
1: Um yeah I never heard of Robson and Jerome and that song sounds like fucking dick so they can go fuck themselves.
4: Yeah there are a couple of actors who Simon Cowell used to play. They feed look like they to.
1: fuck each other. I mean look at these guys. <laughs> they did. That was the third single <laughs> wasn't it? We look we look like we fuck each other. but my put it in my butt. Uh do you got any facts or anything about this song?
2: Sure let's talk about this one. This is the fourth single from the record. It's uh inspired if those of you know your Beatles lore. George Harrison did a did a soundtrack to a movie called Wonderwall, so the record was called Wonderwall Music. They just took the title because it sounded interesting. Prior to that, the name was actually Wishing Stone. That was the demo name of this song. You're my wishing stone. That wouldn't it have probably worked. still would have been huge, right? Yeah, in '96.
1: I mean, would you guys be all fucking bonafide for this song? I heard it was supposed to be called
3: Robson and Jerome, but then he changed it to Wishing Stone, then (laughs) Wonderwall.
1: (laughs) You're my Robson and Jerome.
3: Next time you guys do
1: that
2: live. In 96, actually, Noel said he wrote this about his future wife, Meg Matthews. Then in 2001, he was basically, he got divorced and he's like, no, no, I didn't. I just just (laughs) can't. That's great.
1: (laughs) You (laughs) cannot. Um,
2: By the way, if you guys, any any newer, younger people are like, I think Green Day, it sounds like Boulevard of Broken Dreams, you know, that big Green Day song. So basically, Noel said the same thing. He's like, this is him talking to Green Day. He's like, they should have the decency to wait until I'm dead before stealing my shit. I at least pay the people I steal from as a courtesy.
3: Well, I do know this. I do know wow. when they did this single cover. Okay. Um, <laughs> Noel showed up late to I'm it and they were going to hold this frame up and Liam was supposed to stand in the picture frame. And Noel showed up, I guess, hung over. He said, you're not putting the lead singer on the cover. Pretty, put a pretty girl in there. So they got a girl, I guess they got a girl last minute, and she's the one that ended up being
1: on the cover of the single. I How much shit do you have laying around right now for show and tell, dude? You are you are incredible, Steve.
4: This is just in his Nashville <laughs> house. You don't want to see what his LA house looks <laughs> like. like but if you want to bridge
3: into the next one, that's Don't Look Back in Anger" single. And they Love did it. this in homage. So they, they put um, flowers all over the, the, the instruments and it, it, it's an homage to an old uh, Ringo Starr, Ringo Starr uh, story where Ringo felt uh, he wasn't being appreciated in the Beatles, and they said, "Come back to the studio, come back to the studio." And they had some flowers all around there. So then they Oasis paid tribute to to that story by doing that and putting all the carnations around the uh, around the uh, instruments for the band.
1: So so. I, I think you guys probably agree with me. This song transcends race, color, and creed. I mean, everybody knows this song. Uh it's arguably, I mean, if not the most important song of the nineties. I don't think what anything that that blows my mind this only came in at number two. And both of you guys have sang this multiple times on the goddamn comedy jam. So I wanna ask you guys, why is this song so important to y'all? It's
4: not it's not even it it's about my fifty favorite. Oasis song, really. I'm not even that into it. It's just an easy oh, sing. Okay. But, <laughs> but, but I think, I think, like, like I don't, I don't know why it resonates with so many people. I think because it sort of means nothing. It, you can interpret your own life into it very easily. We're saying, you're my wonder wall, and all the roads we have to walk are winding, and all the lights that lead us there are blinding. And you can sort of like say, yeah, that's sort of like my life, but it really. Yeah, I don't know. I.
3: I, I... I think it's just one of those songs, the minute you hear it, especially in a pub, I mean, you go back to in time where you're a pub in the 90s. And even now, sometimes I'll just hijack, hijack these new touchstone jukeboxes, and I'll drop a 20 in there. And I'll just jam Oasis. And that's the song that comes on. And people, people just start singing it, complete strangers. For a while, it's kind of like a a don't stop believing for a new generation. I think
1: now uh, completely. Oh, completely. Yeah. It's definitely a few beers deep and you're, you just like, you grab your buddy, you put your arm around him. It's, it's,
4: it just it creates a mood. It's, it's, I think the best versions of the song is, is uh, Noel just singing it acoustically in concert. I think it's much better than the electric guitar. All right,
1: let's move on to Don't Look Back in Anger because this is, you know what's funny about this one? I still can remember the exact moment I heard the song for the first time. I was at Express <laughs> for Men at Lake Forest Mall and they were playing the fucking music video in the background, dude. Express? What's Express for it's Men? It's like, you know...
3: It's where you, go, it's where you go when you shop for figure skating attire for men
4: in australia we call it stretchy skin tight men oh,
1: it it's, it's like you're wearing like you know business casual but yeah. cool and somewhat hip it's it's mall clothing sure. it's mall clothing and everybody knows what the clothing, fuck yeah. i mean by mall clothing please don't put your life
4: This is the song that made me made reluctant to be a fan of the race. I so had that girl and she was like, listen to this song, listen to this song. And then the opening is Imagine. And I was like, oh, they're ripping off the Beatles. It's not the, and then it's like, nah, this song's good, man. It's the first song where Noel sings. And every album after that, he sings a song or two. And I always, I always look out for the Noel tracks. So I always go, Oh, you? Because I feel like the Noel tracks are the ones that he, he is most proud of. The other ones are a bit more heavy rock that he doesn't think that he can quite sing, and I think the Noel tracks are the ones that he really thinks he digs this song. When I when I asked him about this song, there we go, I'm name dropping again for the actual person we're talking about. But he goes he goes, uh, he, goes uh, he goes it was about a girl called Sally, <laughs> and she wouldn't wait, man. She just kept on fucking walking on by. <laughs> He goes, you just kept on walking by and I was like, ah, oh, don't worry about it, you know, fucking And I'm yeah. like, okay, okay. So it literally means what you're saying. So here's 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 the, the
2: the the Lennon thing is on purpose, obviously. Imagine. But also some of the lyrics are nicked from Lennon's diaries. Some of the stuff that he said that he pulled from this also. But he's going
4: to put your life in the hands of a rock and roll band. Gonna start a revolution in my bed. Yeah, yeah that's, the, a, the full be-
3: that's a full beat that's a full John Lennon. To this day, I I once you see them, um uh, I, I think it was the heathen chemistry uh, tour and they were performing at the venue. I forget what it's called, but it's it's night, right next to where they tape Letterman and Colbert. It's that rock venue right there in the fifties on the, on the West side of New York city. And I, I was with my girlfriend at the time we went and to this day of all the concerts I've ever been to, that was the one where I was like, Oh my God. Like it, it felt like the roof was going to go off. Noel's singing, don't look back in anger. Everybody's got arms around strangers. People are screaming at the top of their lungs. And and then they went right from that into my generation at the encore and said goodnight. And back to back, those songs, I've never seen a place go that fucking bananas over a song, especially Don't Look Back in Anger. To this day, I you know, even when I I've I've gone to concerts since and I've even seen Noel. Uh, doing solo stuff he'll he'll put this in, in the encore, and nothing 's come close to that that moment in time that I saw it
4: yeah he still he still puts it in the encore and now he finishes with uh, all you Need is love, which is a bit more communal a song you know what I mean than my generation but i i it's it's a very it's a very like so after Ariana Grande and the bombing of the concerts, the people in Manchester took this song on as an anthem. For people getting over grief or whatever, and the lyrics don't really say that. The only time you can ever see Liam sing it is at that concert where they did for Manchester after the Ariana Grande bombing, and it's very clear that Liam can't sing the chorus because he'd be like, going to start a revolution from <laughs> Okay, now I think you know the words. Oh, he does one of he's yeah. his tambourine, and so he couldn't do that bit. So he's just like, "All right, back in." I think this
1: is. I think this though is a better song than Wonderwall. Yeah, oh, it's, much it's just. I
4: mean, Wonderwall is like it's. It's. I love it. Like I said, it's iconic. Great film clip for this one as well. This was another good film clip. Just had hot chicks around a pool and like <laughs> fucking Liam just looking through a spyglass for no. Very Beatlesque type of in you know, an old English manor type of place. It was really. But cool. here's
3: the, here's the thing that, that really pissed me off. I live in Pasadena. The last like five or six years, I'm in I'm in California. I moved to Nashville, and I'm I'm just going down this oasis rabbit hole. And I'm like, where was that mansion? You know? So I look it up. They filmed it in Pasadena. That mansion was in Pasadena. Yeah, yeah. You can you can Google it. No. And it just went for sale for like for like two or three million dollars.
1: No, it always looks- All right. Let's get into. Uh, hey, now, uh, in my opinion, this is this is you know, I honestly feel that this moment might be the best moment on the record. I fucking love this song. This is what I love about this record: is that. It, hey, quick, quick
4: question: Are people watching this a lot, or are they just listening
1: to it? Uh, we do, we do, uh, we do a video on YouTube, but it's like it's most of the people I think are actually just listening to it.
4: Okay, okay, just fine. Okay, go ahead. I just, I just do not to forget this. No, song, do
3: it.
1: Okay. No, please, we can <laughs> stop now.
3: This song's please. a time capsule. Yeah, I, that song is it, it, it's it's the more trippy one. It, it's kind of like a Beatles for Sale. You could see it on that album. Uh, or, or I, I really like that song, and it, yeah, I think I agree with you. Though it, it's a pretty underrated song in their library of of tracks, for sure.
1: Very underrated, very yeah. underrated. It's very psychedelic. Uh, it's it's just like you were talking about how songs that you don't skip over. I mean, they're really there's like I'm I'm gonna skip over like like Swamp Song yeah. and then the other Swamp Song Part Two, but. But it's like it's funny when you really you hear these hits and then you listen to the other tracks on this record. I honestly think that the other tracks on this record shine a little bit brighter than the big hits. What do you guys think?
4: Uh, we're about to head into one of my favorite songs. Some might say, and that was still a big hit in Britain. And I think, and Noel says that some might say. He says, if you wanted to put like Oasis into four minutes, that's the song. He says that's one that represents the band completely.
1: Have anything about this one, you About some might say,
2: some might say, yeah, it's their, this is their first UK number one. This became their first UK number one elite lead single. And they made the video for this with footage from old footage <laughs> that they had because obviously, shocker, as Steve said, Liam didn't show up to the video shoot. Now the, so they cut this one together. The
4: part of the reason why some will say went to number one was also timing. At that stage, Tony Blair was just about to be voted in as the prime minister. And they'd gone through a long history in the UK of the Tories being in charge. Now the Labor Party was about to be in charge and they were about to and Oasis was backing that band. Um, and and so that song became like the anthem of the election that was happening, uh, of a new era coming in. And the era in Britain they called uh, uh, Cool Britannia, right, where everyone was cool and you had a handsome young prime minister. All that stuff. Now, after that, of course, the Iraq war happened and then he sort of sided with George Bush and he was a little bit tainted after that. But at that stage, there was a feeling in the UK that anything could happen and that... Uh, there was a new dawn coming, and I think this song sort of held all that in. Let me ask Where you, this, everyone,
1: Jim, because you you were in were you in uh, England when this came out?
4: I was, I was maybe a uh, no, 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 not when this came out. I moved to England four years uh, later. Okay, but I was, I, I was, I was there for Heathen Chemistry onwards. Living in Britain, <laughs> were were were
1: the British obsessed with them? By I mean, still at that point, or is it more just tabloid fire? Well, we
4: were. When, when, when we went to concerts and stuff like that, there was still, they were still doing great big, sort of open-air arena type of gigs, the ones that I saw them at, you know And then you know, I remember being I was in Chicago doing a gig, and the band had broken up. And BDI had started, and I went and saw them in Chicago after my gig. They were you know headlining at 10 p.m or something like that. There was about 200 people there, and BDI could still sell out. Thousands and thousands of tickets, you know? So they were still much bigger in the UK. And the love for them, I feel like people still had, where in America, whenever I come over here, it was still like, oh, yeah, wonderful. And you're like, no, 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 have you heard the new bit? And, you know, I, I think like Stop Crying Your Heart Out is one of the best ballads they ever did. I think that Hindu Times was an amazing uh, rock and roll song, like a really good sort of trippy bit of rock and roll, you know? So there were still tracks that, but I did remember getting to, into an argument with a comedian. We were having a car ride, and they were, and she was like, "Oh, Oasis suck now." And I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, there's still a couple of songs. There's still, you know." And I fought for them too much. And then the car journey had three hours left, and it was very icy from then on in.
3: Oh, but but you were talking about Swamp Song. Swamp Song is a complete rip off of Spirit in the Sky. If you listen to the guitar chords, it's a, it's it's like beat for beat. You're like, ah, oh, this is total blatant. But some might say epitomizes what makes Noel and definitely may be great is you get this great guitar lick and it will go, the end of the song will go for another two and a half minutes and you just get in this trance-like state. Like supersonic is great because it's just that. And and some might say it's the same thing. And it was the first time where I heard Noel and Liam kind of going back and forth with the course uh throughout that song and that that to me at that time before i heard acquiesce was uh was my favorite track because i it was again the 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 melody was hypnotic but just hearing the two brothers compliment one another on that track specifically i i loved
4: that's the thing that's the thing i still miss the most because when you see them both in concert they both do oasis songs now in concert yeah but hearing them sing together is what I miss the most from Oasis because, you know, you can still hear the song. The, the people playing the guitars, the people playing the drums, are still, as good music, musicians as they had in Oasis, and sometimes the same fucking people, you know. But, to, to you know, just like things like on um, Stand By Me, it's just the little harmony that he did over the way it's going to be. I felt a bit, you know, I miss that. And they always get like a guitarist to sort of do it, but it doesn't quite sound right. No,
1: no, no. It's it's funny because some might say I I honestly think is like is probably one of the better songs on this record, and it's because of everything you're talking. And about. also, it's
4: a great slogan. Some might say it's like you know what people are <laughs> up to. You know, you know what they say. It's a very ambiguous thing that means nothing and everything at the same. time.
1: Well, I feel like all of their songs are like that. I mean, Morty, we were talking prior to the show. Uh, it's like th- this, there's, they're not, it's almost what you said about Wonderwall. It could be this, it could be that it could you can, if you can, if you're dealing with struggle in your life, you can, you can identify with the song. Then if you're in a good mood, it's just, it's like everything is nothing. It's just like a bunch of gobbledygook. Uh,
4: o- o- Oasis are like going to a fortune teller and believing the reading, you know, <laughs> 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 that's me. That is me. There's a-, a- there's
2: a level of, There's a level of trite to their lyrics. I mean, it's 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 both incredibly trite and incredibly encompassing because it's like, you know, it's like when when you're going through a breakup and somebody gives you advice and it's always the same shit. Oh, you'll get over and you'll get it's just it's it reaches everyone because it just sounds right. Like I was saying, the Paul McCartney lyric thing versus the, the John Melody thing. Paul's lyrics are incredible because when you break them down, it means shit. I mean, not to be a dick. He's my greatest guy of all time. But listen to yesterday. It's not the deepest fucking song in the world, but yesterday is Wonderwall. You know what I mean?
4: The idea that Paul McCartney put the word "maybe" in the lyric "Maybe I'm amazed." <laughs> <laughs> like, like your wife's like your wife's like this like. Maybe I'm amazed. Are you amazed or not, Paul? What's What's well, it's the, funny about the title? The even amazing. the title.
3: Sorry, another prop there for you, Josh. But what's the story, of Morning Glory? I heard that when Noel was when they were touring in the states, um, some girl kept saying "What's the story, of Morning Glory?" to Noel, and he thought everybody in America had said that. So when it came out, people were like, "Why'd you call it What's the story, of Morning Glory'?" And, and he's like, "Oh, don't people in the states say that all the time?" And they're like, "No, nobody says that." And he's like, "Oh shit!"
4: <laughs> oh, I always thought Morning Glory was like when you woke up with an erection, right?
2: I thought it was that an opium opium poppies morning glory. <laughs> I thought that was that, but also it's the song from Bye Bye Birdie. For any of my other music musical geeks out there, it's one of the songs in like Ooh. the sixties, the and they're calling each other on the phone. What's the story, Morning Glory? It's like shit your mom would say. You know, what's up, Suckatash? Well, Josh, the Josh, Josh like. lost
3: his. Josh, you lost your virginity of that song, didn't you? No, to yeah. the Bye Bye Birdie song. Yeah.
1: To, to what's the story more in glory or to no, no. 100% yeah. yeah followed by hello Dolly uh, yeah dude
4: my, my mother used to say in the morning when she woke me up wakey wakey hands off snaky which was another <laughs> lyric that they wanted to use yeah, the, original, the original album was going to be called wakey wakey hands off snaky <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: I fucking love that dude
1: that is the funny shit dude all right, cast no shadow. Bound
0: with all- Uh, okay, so break
2: us down. so Noel writes us about Richard Ashcroft. We were talking about him earlier. he's a singer in a band called the Verve. He plays it for he plays it for Richard. Richard starts crying, and according to Noel, he says, you know he always seemed to me to not be to not be very happy and he wrote this lovely song for me. He said he always seemed to me to not be very happy what was going on around him and almost trying too hard so uh, the album's producer, Owen Morris had just produced The Verve's uh, album Northern Soul because Noel oh, no. Great record.
0: Yeah. Great yeah. fucking Noel got record. Noel
2: got Owen to produce the record, and the title track from that album was dedicated to Noel. So it was sort of like a recompense
1: for it. Dude, The Verve is one of the yeah. most underrated bands to come out of the Britpop scene. I, like America only knows them as Bittersweet Symphony, and every album that they have done is damn near perfect. Richard Ashcroft oh, yeah, solo shit, a, a Song for the Lovers, uh brand brand new uh no I think brand new world was the album title, but but it's like I saw him live at um the 930 club. I remember it was funny because I was dating this girl and I got her listening to his first solo record. Then we broke up and then she out of nowhere was like, Hey, I got us tickets to Richard Ashcroft. She's like, Do you want to go with me? I was like, Yeah, of course. We go. The, sh- the show is incredible. It's just Richard in a fur coat, just acoustic oh, wow. guitar, played everything from the verb, played all this solo shit. Uh, and then uh we get back home and I feel so bad about this. I always remember this is that we get to my apartment and she's like, So can I come in? And I'm just like, Yeah, I'm pretty tired. I'm just gonna go to bed. And she was fully expecting to fuck. And I can't believe I'm sorry, Kitty Peters. I'm sorry. Why did Why did you turn down Kitty Peters? I don't know, man. I just, you know, dude, I was. I would have <laughs> sex with her on the
4: name alone, Kitty Peters. She sounds like a. Wakey dude!
1: It's, it's. I regret it. I really regret it. But I, I fucking love yeah. the verb.
4: Bur- Pussy Pete. That's an
1: Pitty Ian Fleming name. Yeah, that's right. It's definitely a Bond. Yeah, definitely a Bond character. That's an Ian Fleming yeah. Pussy Peters. Um. So, I right, thoughts on this song, and then and also thoughts on the Verve. I know you guys were like kind of agreeing with me. Like, yeah, I think uh, I think yeah, that's but...
3: that was the, the, again that was kind of the fun of of Oasis and reading about them and reading all the magazines is is like seeing who they would anoint as cool, like who's in the cool club. And hearing all the stuff about Ashcroft, and then going down and getting Urban Hymns, and that's another album you could listen from A to Z, every single song, every yeah. single track. Yeah. I mean, the drugs don't work is one of my. Favorite songs, and it's you know he's a total frontman too. He looks like a rock and roll star.
4: Oh my god! Uh, the, the, the 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 drugs don't work. There's that thing of Liam going. Maybe you need a better fucking dealer. You know, if the fucking drugs do not work it. and they 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 banned the drugs don't work off radio because it mentioned drugs, but it was about his mother dying of cancer and the drugs no longer working. And that's where the song. And like they were like, are oh, they banned it off radio because they thought it was like, oh, buy more drugs?
1: Yeah. It always kind of blew my mind that like just in America, the Verve never caught on. It's it's people only know Bittersweet Symphony and that's it. And it's like a northern soul is fucking perfect. Even the record that they came out with a few years ago, it's... It's very dense and their music is, uh, it's anthematic, but also,
3: I don't know, it kind of sounds more epic. There's a lot more to the sound of the Verve than just, you know... I don't know how to describe it, but it, it's it's like a more all-encompassing kind of sound with them.
1: Yeah. It's incredible song, incredible band. All right, let's get on to She's Electric.
0: And I want
4: The fun tune. It's the fun tune. She's electric. You can have a dance to it when you're drunk. She's electric. They always used to put it on the comedy clubs after the comedy club ended and they put it on. Everyone used to have a bit of a bop to it. Yeah. You
2: guys will actually like this one. So no, so eloquently explained. So see if you follow this. It's about a boy who's got a girlfriend and he used to go out with her sister that he fancies her mother, doesn't get on with her brother. And as somebody, and as somebody gets her cousin pregnant, everybody thinks it's him. Because he's a bit of a fucking run cunt. But who wasn't? And uh, that's literally his idea of the story. But here's the best part. Naturally, this one about this fucking run cunt has a chorus that's lifted from a children's program from the 70s called You and Me. So that's what the melody of the chorus is from. So,
3: Dude, they steal a lot of shit. I think they're just honest, Josh. It's almost like Easter eggs, you know, nowadays in movies where you see something in a Marvel film, you're like, oh, what's that mean? You go back to it. And I think he takes all these licks and sometimes it's just blatant. It's totally blatant. Uh, Like he just ripped off uh, the doors in the, in the very last, um, I forget, I forget the name of the track, but uh, it's literally, He, he ripped off five to one. Yeah, in the in in the last Oasis album, and it's so blatant. But then there's other times where he does he did like Stairway to Heaven on his second solo album, and I forget the name the um, the girl. Oh God, the girl with I, I forget I, I forget the name of the track he did, but it, it's so blatant. But it it was, it was a horrible version of Stairway to Heaven. Um. But that's kind of what I like about them is that they they're just so blatant and they're kind of honest. Step Out is a B side that was ripped off of um, uh, uh, a Stevie Wonder song, and they they didn't release it because they would have they would have had to, they already had to pay out, but they would have paid a, a lot more if it was on the album.
1: I want to ask you guys this because, like, would you guys consider Liam as having a great singing voice? Because I feel like in this 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 basically takes away any doubt that he can't sing by hitting that high note. The
4: thing about him is. It, 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 it's not the best voice in the world or whatever, but it's unique and it's his and it's a uh, fucking, it rocks, man. You see it live. The guy knows how to do it. And he sings in tune. He's always in fucking tune. I've seen him so many times in concert. He's always in tune. I've seen him drunk. I've seen him hoarse, like where he's been singing too much or smoking too many tabs or whatever. And then, but he's always in tune. And sometimes he's just yelling. You know, but it's still in tune.
1: So it sounds like you've seen a bunch of shows of theirs. Like, have there been?
4: I used to liken me at the time, at the the peak of my drug taking, when I first started getting sort of popular and all that type of stuff. I I likened myself to Oasis in the extent that I would put on a hell of a show. One in five of them went tits (laughs) up. (laughs) It was either I was hungover from the night before. I was too drunk during the show. I'd taken too many drugs <laughs> during the thing. The night before was tremendously good. Yeah. And then I fuck up. You know what I mean? And so I felt like Oasis was like, you bought a ticket. You're going into the fucking raffle. You might win. You might lose. But if you win, it's going to be fucking
3: Yeah, I, I remember I was in college and it was the Morning Glory uh, tour. And I bought tickets and I drove to Chicago and found out, oh, the the show got canceled. This is like pre-internet um, when Liam went back to find a house for him and uh, that actress wife of his, and I was so pissed. Yeah. But I, I knew it was coming because I worked in this record store, and I'd gotten all these um, bootleg CDs of them chastising audiences, shitting on the audience, telling them we're not a bunch of monkeys – Telling them in Vancouver they can fuck off after three songs and walking off and you hear everybody booing. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I'd never seen that rashness before in anybody.
4: That's my point. Every time I ever fucked up a gig, there was always people in the internet going, show, sure, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it's like, it never happened out of nowhere. Never happened out of fucking... They didn't just walk on and tell everyone to fuck off. That never fucked... I, I, I I was at the gig. I was at university in Perth. I was at the the gig The be here now to aware. where... They got banned off Cafe Pacific because Liam woke up late and uh, woke up late, and they'd already handed out scones to everyone, right? And he told the SUS, I want a fucking scone. Why don't I all get a fucking scone? So the news was all like he was abusive on the plane and all this type of bullshit. And then they went to Rotnest Island and the media all followed him. This little island off the coast of Perth, there's one fucking convenience store in it. They all went in there and the camera's there. And I was seeing him that night, right? And they walk out. And this is the height of their drug taking. They walk. They had the, the, overproduced. The, the, the backdrop was a phone booth and a big fucking this and a car and a that and all that type of stuff, right? Anyway, he walks out. The crowd goes massive, and he walks up. And he goes, "I wanted a fucking scone." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I'm on board, man. I'm fucking on board. This is going to be great." And it was. It was one of the best concerts ever. Yeah. All right, let's move
1: on to Morning Glory, uh, the third single, right, Morty?
2: Yep, first song to really get them, American Airplay. This was the first single that sort of heralded this record. I mean, it wasn't technically a single. It was a third single from the record, but this is the one where, you know, that really started breaking them in America. This came out, I believe this came out like right before Wonderwall or around that time, and so people were sort of primed. This is the
1: first one I remember seeing. For this album, I don't. I I like I. I never saw this or heard this. I don't think I've ever heard this on the radio. Yeah, there's like a keyhole video. I think, and they're looking through the, you know, at the door.
3: Yeah, they were in this uh, an apartment yeah. complex, and there were all crazy things going on in the different apartments. But they were rocking out, and uh, it was a, it was a pretty cool little yeah. video. Uh, but th- this is a great track, and it 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 came in and came out with some helicopter. Sounds and weird outros
4: into the end. Yeah. I heard that Noel thought this was the best track. He thought this would be, be the single when wow. he wrote it. He thought this is the single and it never really eventuated.
3: Wow. That's a, it's a great track.
4: Tomorrow never knows.
1: Then we got Swamp Song 2, it's another instrumental, and then we've come to what might be, my opinion, the best song on the record.
4: Okay. I, <laughs> I don't write as much, but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I love about Champagne Supernova, right? It, I Up to that stage of me listening to music, I never ha- had a band that wrote anthems in my lifetime. Queen did it. Queen wrote songs, big ethic anthems where everyone waved their arms from side to side. All the bands I was listening to in Australia, if I fucking in excess and crowded house, I like, they never wrote anthems like this. And this was the first time I heard a band do an epic type of real fucking theatrical piece. In my opinion.
1: Well, you don't think Never Tear Us Apart is anthemic?
4: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's a that was, fucking... That's that was a, a, that was a mean, song he wrote about his belt. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus.
3: Oh, wow. Well, the video was trippy, too. The video, again, I think this is one of the few records where the videos were really, really up to speed and up to par. The visuals in this were great. It was total mod, all 60s, you know. And Liam had the beard and the Lennon glasses and the blue background. And they had some girls in there. And there's some silhouettes and stuff. And it was just a really trippy kind of video that accompanied a really, like like Jim said, an anthematic kind of, kind of track. And this was the one I think that it's not as popular as Wonderwall or Don't Look Back in Anger, but you play it and people know it and people love it. And I love it. I, I love playing this in pubs all the time.
4: So once again with the lyrics, open to interpretation, they all read, how many special yeah. people change? I, I, that means something to me and I'm sure it means something to you, but it really means nothing. You know what I mean? But to me it means something. Yeah. I, I know a person in my life who is special to me who just fucking changed. You know what I mean? And then, you know, it speaks to me this song. This, this
1: this one, like I said, that VMA performance, I see him spit. Now I try to imitate that in moments in the jam. I just think it's the coolest fucking thing in the world. It's When I think of Oasis, I don't think Wonderwall. I think Champagne Supernova. This is the one that I connect with. Morty, what do you got to tell us about this? I mean, this is the sixth. This is the final
2: single from the album. And just like Swamp Song, I just want to say this. When I got this record first, because I got this. My friend worked at a record store. And nobody really knew Oasis, even from the first album. They never really broke in America. So I got this because Paul Weller from The Jam plays on Swamp Song. He's on harmonica and stuff on Swamp Song, and he's on this. And so I was like, oh shit. Well, that's like getting a that's like getting like, you know, a gold star from probably one of the greatest British rock and roll guys. So I'm like, well, okay, this, this passed it. So I'm looking at it and I listen to this, and this is epic. I mean, for those of you who haven't heard it, put it on. It's big and huge. You can't put anything after this on the record. And it's basically, it's, it's Noel talking to the punk and the rock bands that, you know, they were supposed to change the world. You remember like Bono spraying rock and roll stops traffic or whatever. This is supposed to change the world and everything. And, you know, he, he wants, Noel's always wanted to be a part of that movement. He's wanted, he believes the thing that I think most people love about them is he believes the dream that rock and roll can change the world. And he's still about, Cocaine and girls and rock and roll, like. But he also believes that one great song can do it. People moving their arms, even with stupid lyrics like "slowly walking down the hall faster than a cannonball," which you know, the first time you hear you that, shut you shut your
4: go, mouth. That's a lovely lyric. Yeah,
2: but even he <laughs> says when they ask Noel what he means by it, he's like, "I don't fucking know." Well, I, you do it better than I would you do. It. I don't fucking know. But are you telling me that you've got sixty thousand people singing it? They don't know what it means. It means something different to every one of them. And that's his take on it. And it's absolutely what I mean. Nobody knows the end of Hey Jude. It's just a thing that touches you. And, you know, when you're in a, stu- when you're in a stadium going na-na-na-na with 60,000 people, nothing is more important in the world. And rock and roll absolutely, absolutely changed everything.
3: Well, it's, it's, it truly is a testament what a guitar and, a, and unlimited amounts of cocaine and drugs can can produce.
1: I mean, that, that's really yeah, it. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> if anybody's listening to this in audio, you're missing out on the Steve Burns slideshow. I'm telling you right now, it is fucking incredible, people. Go, subscribe to our YouTube, you fuckers. Um, I I feel like this song is, is, is it's touching, it's memorable. And after hearing us talk about it and realizing how anthemic this is uh, the next time we get to do the goddamn comedy jam together, we are closing the jam with this bucket. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even, everybody knows the chorus to this. Everybody Everybody knows everybody knows the chorus. It's it's, it might not be the best song on the record, but it's damn near my favorite. And it's, You know, when I think of Oasis, this is the song I take with me. It's, you know, more than anything else. you want to do some facts, and we'll get you guys out of here.
4: Uh, are we doing the facts?
1: No, we're gonna do. Marty's oh, okay. Do I can
4: give you some facts. I'll throw They're them just, at you. You guys it'd just, enjoy it'd them. It'll just be about my life, you know. But uh, I can think- yeah, give. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so
2: uh, they were so popular in England, as Steve brought up earlier. In '95, a single was released. You want to hold it up because this is got to be a great, it's a great visual representation. Wibbling rivalry, yeah. Wibbling rivalry came out. Now, it's just Noel and Liam arguing and swearing at each other during an interview, but that became a single. Wibbling Rivalry, and
3: it's literally just about Noel. Noel is, is of the mindset that, you know, the songs will live forever. We've got to be a great rock and roll band, and Liam at the time got kicked off a ferry going to Scotland because he was acting up along with other members of the band. They got kicked off it because they were drunk and on drugs, and Noel's whole point was you can't be acting like that We, you know, a rock and roll band is essentially what they're coming to see and we got to blow their tits off when they come see us. And Liam's like, no, rock and roll is the attitude. It's, 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 it's a way of life. And if I want to do the drugs, if I want to get in fistfights, that's rock and roll. And so it's them going back and forth the whole time. And it's pretty fucking funny. (laughs) Did
1: you find it, JT? Yeah.
3: It's like a modern version of the Troggs tapes. Is it? On, those, is it on
1: fucking Spotify? Is this tape? like a what's it called? Yeah, Steve, I got it, right. it called Wibbling? Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up.
2: W i b b l i n g. If you're right, well, if you're, so proud, you're
4: right, well, if you're proud about getting thrown off ferries, then why don't you go and support West Ham? Get the fuck out of my band! I'm going to be a football hooligan, right? Because oh, we musicians, insane, right? dude. It, dude, it didn't it
0: it like, chart, did it? it?
4: Oh yeah, top ten. Oh
0: yeah, I hit it.
4: Yeah.
1: So they they didn't like play like all right. It's on BBC Radio One. It's the new track, Body Oasis. Here we go. No
3: idiots like me went out and bought the damn thing, and that's why it You bought
1: everything, dude. You bought it
3: with the internet.
4: (laughs) It never would have happened. It would have just been a YouTube clip, you know. Yeah, back in in the day, we had to we had to look out for fucking things. If anyone wants to know anything more about Oasis, just go onto fucking Netflix and watch Supersonic. It's a great documentary. Yeah,
3: that's
4: everything you need to know, and that's. (laughs) And that's them sort of, them talking about it in hindsight and apart and to get, you know, it's a very good documentary.
3: Well, I'll tell you, you know, if you've seen it, you know that Noel Gallagher, Noel Gallagher takes a a pot shot at Phil Collins in a really humorous way. And recently I saw a thing where Noel Gallagher was being interviewed by children on YouTube and this kid asked, this kid asked, no, what, what his favorite dinosaur is, and he said Phil Collins, like,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like just
3: off the cuff. I was like, God damn, he's so quick. Yeah, yeah, wow,
4: they're, they're very witty.
1: All right, Morty, what else you
2: got? All right, um, this was named so. Okay, so uh, the Brit Awards. So you know, you know, big big ceremony, England. So for the thirtieth anniversary of the Brit Awards, the best British best British album of the last thirty years was given to this. Liam goes up, accepts the award, looks at it. Throws the award and the microphone into the crowd. Yeah, he, he's a,
4: yeah he's a charming fella. Oh, but also that was that was part of the downfall with Michael Hutchins as well. Is when Michael Hutchins presented to them, at, I think the Pew awards, and he, he said something along the lines of a whole bunch of somebody's getting an award from a nobody or something along that lines. Of
3: I saw a documentary on Michael Hutchins recently that released, and they said that that was something that really bothered him for quite a period yeah. of time.
2: I mean, he was yeah, a well, sensitive boy. His favorite Beatles song is Nothing to Get Hung About.
4: Uh, <laughs>
2: that was just for Jim. Oh, Jim can hello. make a belt joke?
4: Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I've, I've got the charm to pull it off. Right? I tell you, you can't <laughs> come in with just like, eh, that guy hung himself with his dick hanging out.
2: Wait, I didn't even know about that part. <laughs>
4: Actually, it turns, out, it turns out I can do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You're> fantastic. <laughs> Look at that charm. <laughs> I want to give a little shout out today. This is a little thing that I want to do just quickly. And I know that none of you will know this, but there was a promoter in Australia called Michael Gudensky. who used to always tour me in Australia, like arena tours. He toured the Rolling Stones. He toured Oasis. He toured everybody. This is how I'm connecting it all up. This guy started out as a teenager, um, promoting bands and stuff like that. I used to go gambling with him after my gigs where he would give me $100,000 to fucking gamble and go, you can have some. And then like if I won some for him or it's like being a kid around this guy. He was like a fucking billionaire promoter. He he was the best guy. He died today. And I just want to give a shout, shout out. If you want to read about a wild fucking guy who was the best hang ever, Michael Gadinsky. And he was the top promoter to bring bands into Australia before Michael Godinski. We didn't have big bands like you two coming to see us. They just didn't fucking visit. And he organised all of it. He died today. So, quick shout out to to him and his family. And he'll be very missed. Lovely. Yeah. Sorry yeah.
2: about that. No, that was lovely. <laughs> no, it's all right. All right, Morty, you got more shit. Yeah, I got a couple more. Uh let's uh let's let's do this. We we talked about this earlier for a second but to hear it in context. So the Oasis versus Blur battle hit its most controversial moment after Noel said he hoped Blur's Damon Albarn, who's the singer and Alex James who's the bass player, would catch AIDS and die. So, after the expected outrage, which really was. I mean, there really was, you know, he they let a lot go, but England really like freaked out over that. He downgraded it, and he said that he hoped they'd catch a bad cold. So, you know, he made up for uh, it. Yeah, that's, that's not too well,
4: bad. Well, that's that's pretty good because a cold these days can kill you. Well, yeah. age, you live forever. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 think, I, I think Magic Johnson will die of a cold before HIV. I'll tell you that oh, 100%. Man, dude. <laughs>
1: All right, let's do some rapid fire questions. Right. Uh, this has been great, guys. This has been phenomenal. All right, for this for both of you guys, so just uh, whoever wants to go first when I ask it. Uh, favorite song on the record?
4: Some might say yeah.
1: Some might say, wow, both of you. Um, all right, least favorite song on the record? Swamp song. Uh,
4: Morning glory. Morning glory for me. But I still like it.
1: Oh, it doesn't mean it's bad. But it's the one that you're like, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I might. I might skip it. Might. Uh, all right, what song on this record would you fuck to?
4: I fuck to all of them, but not yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, but but it hasn't been the one fuck I've had to do it over twelve times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the whole album in a week.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, all right. There, there wasn't even another person in the room. Oh, good God!
3: I definitely say Champagne Supernova because it starts off really, really slow. It builds to a crescendo. And then it yeah, whimpers like out. It, so it's, yeah. it's, I like
4: roll with it because you're really fucking <laughs> you, you, oh, oh, No, oh, no oh, one oh, makes oh, love to roll with it. You <laughs> fuck, fuck <laughs> to roll with it, dude. I'm yeah. I'm
1: fucking the morning glory, dude, because I want to like I want to have her on the bed, and then it's those noises down 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 down. I just come out all naked and and then all you need is and then I'm just fucking. Rapid fire, bro. All right, Liam or Noel? Okay, this is a
4: very tricky question, and I I, I love them both in different ways. I like Liam solo work more. I'm gonna to have to say Ooh. Liam, but Noel okay. Noel is the person I want to hang out with more. But Liam, I got Liam.
3: Liam's yeah.
4: Liam. Liam's Liam's the last great rock star. We we haven't had one since. He's the last, and yeah. even Noel says it. He's a rock star in in the purest meaning of the thing he's a fucking star he's a star
3: and he hasn't lost it at all like you see a lot of the rock stars we started with they just start to fade they don't look good they don't i mean this guy has looked like a rock star since he was 18 and he still looks like a rock star and he's got to be in his 50s now right there's about four
4: people on the planet that are uncancelable. you can't cancel liam gallagher you can't cancel. he knocks up fucking mtv reporters that he had an interview with. He gets them pregnant and they fuck it. They can't cancel him. He could he could come out dressed <laughs> like him. They wouldn't cancel. It's just like, oh, well, that's Liam. What's he up to? He's causing him. He's uncanceled. Yeah. Name name me other people in this planet that are uncancelable. Is that the right word, cancelable? Cancel. Anyway, you know cancelable. what I'm saying. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
4: You can't cancel him. That's a very rare thing in our society.
3: Yeah. Well, I think any Democratic president or <laughs> Liam Gallagher. Yeah, yeah. You can't cancel.
4: Yeah. Them. I, I hear he's cute. I hear he's farming children off at a. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Um Do you think they will ever get back together?
4: I do. Yeah. I do. And I think it's, I think, I think we're about, because Liam desperately wants to get back together. He's yeah, like, this. when they did the Ariana Granite, yeah. he's like, why don't you come and fucking sing your songs, man? The fucking kids want it, man. There was a big fucking explosion, you know. And then he tweets like, I'm ready when you're fucking ready. And then he'll tweet something like fucking potato head and start teasing his brother. And you're yeah, like, yeah. and I watch these tweets. I'm <laughs> like, Liam, you were so close. Yeah. You were, you were making a bridge and then you fucking burn it down in the next fucking tweet, you dumb cunt, right? <laughs> yeah. But I believe that, and I, I don't think it will ever come down to money. I think they've both got more than enough money than they ever need. It's not going to be like, like Guns and Roses sort yeah. of like we didn't really invest very well and blah, 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 let's just do this, right? I feel like it was a begrudging type of thing. I don't think it will ever be like a, let's get the cash type of get back together. I think it will be like, all right, you've apologized, I've apologized, let's fucking do it. But I, this is my belief, they will get back together <laughs> and they will break up again.
3: Yeah. I, there's a part of me that doesn't want them to get together again because I read I, – I, as a Beatles fan – and I just read the book, The Last Days of John Lennon by James Patterson, and it's a great read. And I got to tell you, I don't know, I, I think the myth of the band just is that much more accentuated when it's like, oh, they could have, they should have, why didn't they? And there were all these moments where they almost got together and they just never did. And I think that provides something to the mystique of the band. And I also think that, you know, they certainly were a moment in time. And I'll never replicate that moment in time again in my life. But the closest I'll come is when I get in my car and I get in the highway and I put that in and I just drive fast as hell. Listen to some might say, and I put the windows down. I sing at the top of my lungs. I, that was that to me was everything back in those in the '90s and early 2000s. I tell and you see what, them if on. they
4: do get back together, the band that I want, the band that I we'll, we'll do it, Steve. We'll make the trip, right? The band that I want to Fuck get back yeah. together is the band on this album and this album alone, right? I want, I want fucking, yeah, yeah, I yeah, want yeah, the yeah. original drummer, I want White, right? I want Alan White, and I want yeah. that that Giggsy Alan White, yeah. Oh, that's Benzie, the band that yeah. I want to see back there. As nice as the other lads were on the other band, albums and, and professional and good and all, yeah and all that type of stuff, I want to see this band on this album get back together.
1: I honestly think that they are going to get back together in 2022. I don't know what is making me think that, but I saw a couple of tweets recently. And I also feel because of the pandemic and the way that the world is. And, and I, hopefully it's, it brings them to realize that, you know, Hey man, we're, if we're going to do it, we got to do it now.
4: If they and get I, back together, do they sell yeah. out a stadium in America? Cause they never did that in America. Yes. yes I don't know. They
2: will. I'll be honest. I don't think so. I think that, I think they would be like a Coachella thing. I think they would be, they would have like, they could do well, but I don't think it's, I don't think that's important to them. I think, I think it's. I'll
4: I'll fly to the UK. Yeah.
2: I think that's the important thing. It's almost like when Zeppelin got back together or anything, there's no point. They've already conquered what they need to conquer. You know, I like, to me, I'd love to see Morrissey and Marr get back together and play the same show with Oasis. That to me is the two Manchester bands would be the ultimate oh oh, it's Stone Roses too I'd love to see John Squire and Ian get back together I'll
4: I'll give you you one I won't say who okay so I'll give you some bands Uh, Happy Mondays in Spiral Carpets and uh, I've already named two anyway one of the guitarists was my cocaine dealer when I used to live in Manchester so there you go do some hunting around wow
3: Well, here's here's my question for you guys. If they did get together, right, we're all assuming it's a tour, do you think that they would ever put an album out together again?
4: I, I think well, – I, I no, I think if they – no, I think they definitely would. I think if they get back together, they will release a single and that will be the whole thing. We've got a new yeah. song or whatever, like that type of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's like the Beatles. When the Beatles broke up, there's tracks of every – single album that the Beatles had that if you put them all together, you could have made a great fucking album. Yeah. And and the Noel albums and Liam albums, they are closer to having a killer record between the two of them broken up than they did together. And they did yeah. together for the last 10 years. For the last 10 years, they're closer now to having a great album than they were back then. Yeah, I agree.
1: I
3: think the, the breakup only benefited uh, Liam because Liam has kind of come to his own and and he sounds the most he still has his own identity, but his songs sound the most like an Oasis song if you're going to go down the rabbit hole. Noel's got some, like, dance hall tracks and stuff and Black Star Rising. I'm like, well, what the fuck Liam is this? Liam
4: literally shit? sings songs. There was the documentary on Liam, and they reckon that the only, the only person was, he's performing yeah. to is Noel, to prove himself to Noel. So he still looks at to- and like, like for what it's worth, I'm sorry for that. It's like so direct, directly yeah. sung to him. Now I'm not being a conspiracy theorist where I think this means this. They, these are songs that are directly sung to his brother, and so I think he desperately Absolutely. wants to get back in the band together. Yeah.
2: It's got to be hard. Got to be hard for Noel because Noel writes everything. But when people think of the singer of the band, they think of Liam. You know, it's like Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey. You know, Pete Townsend writes everything. But Rogers, I think Noel will look at a record and go, this is the record I finally, like Pete does with Roger. I think he'll look and he'll go, I've got eight songs and I can now give Liam these eight Mm -hmm. songs.
4: He's the one that'll knock these out of the park. I just want to—I just want to confess something very quickly. When I said those two bands, I didn't actually mention the band of the guy who was a drug dealer, I chickened out on that joke. I know who it is because you told <laughs> me You me- not- I've been <laughs> thinking about it ever since. I'm like, I've incriminated someone, but the actual band I didn't fucking mention. But I have—I I have told Josh in the past, and it's—it's yeah. it's it's an actually it's a bigger band than the two bands that I just wow. mentioned. But- yeah, I'll tell you as soon as we stop the podcast. How
3: wow. was how? Wait, but well, this? let's not talk about what Millie's up to these days.
1: Millie <laughs> how, died, but you know <laughs> how was, how was the cocaine?
4: Oh, it, it it ranged from good to bad depending <laughs> on what batch he fucking got. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a great drug dealer. He's just a bloke who hung out at the Manchester Comedy Store a lot. <laughs> okay.
1: Was he a good guitar player? <laughs> serviceable, serviceable. He <laughs> could strum. Sometimes too fast because he was uh, jacked up. All right, last question. Does this deserve to be on the 500 Greatest Albums list?
4: Yeah, 100% it does, yeah, 100%.
3: Absolutely. I, I think it was, it was at the time they were the biggest band in the world, and they always had aspirations to be the biggest band in the world, but for literally a few months over the course of, what was it, 1995? 1995, they were the biggest band in the world. So much so they hit the, the cover of Rolling Stone. They came, they were doing arenas in the States. I mean, that was always the benchmark, right, is the States, and things would always go fall apart. But those those three songs especially, Wonderwall, Don't Look Back in Anger, Champagne Supernova, you could go to South Africa, you could go to England, Australia, India, anywhere you want, and you play those songs, and, and people will know that in any bar or pub, 100%. It's,
4: it's one, of the, one of those bands that if you meet someone who has a CD collection, and they've only got 20 CDs as a good Yeah, sure. No, I completely, I completely <laughs> That's
1: agree. That's a great way to put it. I think this album's phenomenal. I think it's, like I said, I think it's one of the most important British, and I think this is Brit pop, but I think it's one of the most important British bands and albums uh, definitely of the last, you know, 30, 40 years. It's it's incredible. And they it's, were the it's biggest
4: like, band in the world in spite of themselves. They were cancelling gigs and not showing up, and they were still the biggest one. Let's put this in comedy, right? Like, we all know about comedy, right? Imagine there was a comic who was so good that sometimes they just didn't show up. I don't, I don't know one. I don't know one. And then people still bought tickets again a week later. They still went, all right, I'll give it another go. You what don't do you think, think Chappelle Ch- could do that? Yeah, I was going to say You don't say think Chappelle, Chappelle could get away with that? Yeah, but he hasn't done it. Chappelle, don't show up a few times and prove it to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why doesn't Chappelle fucking put his foot in the water and see if that happens? You know what I mean? Like fucking. Yeah. There are
3: certainly comics. I know that the staff would wish oh, they I, wouldn't I know, show up. I know,
4: I know a lot of comics who have yeah. shot themselves in the foot. You know what happens when they shoot themselves in the foot? They don't have a fucking foot and they fall over. Yeah. <laughs> Oasis kept on shooting themselves in the foot. Now we're running forward.
3: But you think about like the greatest <laughs> British bands to come out of, you know, England the last 20 years, you, 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 you know, there's a lot of people that say away Radiohead or Oasis. And I'm telling you, after my shows, I find a dive bar. I find an Irish pub. I get some Jameson. I relax. And I've never heard radio played in a pub. I've heard Oasis played in a pub yeah. nine times out of ten. I, I hear yeah, no, them all the time. No
4: one ever gets all together for Radiohead and sing, sings together. I yeah, never that, fucking do.
2: That's what I said. Is I, I wish this were their third album, because where it is in, in its sort of ferocity of what it is is this anthemic album. If this were their third album. I think they were already huge, but this would have changed everything because "Be Here Now" sort of sputtered apart with the drugs, and it was and because of this album being so huge, that was such an expected, you know, that was like I remember being at Tower Records when that came out. People are like, "This, you heard that album? This is good." I wish because this album is what I thought their third album would be like. "Be Here Now," if that had come out, it would it would have been over. You know what I mean? It would have been like
3: – I remember I, I read in an interview that Noel said that his friend had the best analogy for Be Here Now. He said, get all your friends, get them to your house, get all the drugs, do all the drugs, play this, and then throw the album out and never
1: listen to it again.
4: <laughs>
1: I was like, oh, that's – Damn it. I wish I would have listened to that record on Coke, dude. God damn it. Wow. Uh, you're not dead
4: yet, Mike. Yeah, no, I know. Is it
1: is it a mushroom record?
4: We'll do mm. mushrooms and we'll listen to it. Okay, you like cool. mushrooms, Steve? Oh, you live in fucking Nashville.
1: <laughs> Never, yeah.
4: <laughs> I'll
3: be out in LA soon. I'll hit you boys up.
4: No, no, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all right with doing mushrooms in. in uh... In Nashville, it's just that we buy them here and I don't fly with them, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's, it's like I'm a, I'm yeah. a local mushroom guy, <laughs> uh, I like uh, that that farm to table mushrooms. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and you get your mushrooms from a bass player that yeah, was yeah, in your yeah, yeah, culture yeah. club. Yeah, or I, get, I, get, I get all my mushrooms yeah. from Boy yeah. George. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
1: guys, this was phenomenal. Uh, thank you for coming, both of you guys, on. Um, Promote away, uh, Jim. Go ahead.
4: I got, I got nothing to promote. It turns out there's a pandemic happening, and I don't have any gigs. Podcast. Oh, I got a podcast, Jim Jeffries. I don't know about that podcast. Look at <laughs> that. My, my assistants tape that to the fucking wall. You didn't know about the podcast? It's, it's, a, it's a podcast <laughs> where, where I don't know what the topic's going to be, and we get a specialist come on, and then I try to spout off everything I know about it. And so it's called I Don't Know About That. And we talk about everything from fucking politics to aliens to fucking cheese to wars and all that type of stuff. We might talk about this. I know about this. So it won't be a good topic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve, what do you got?
3: Uh, I'm on a podcast with Brian Callan called Big and Hungry. And my film uh, that I wrote and directed about stand-up comedy called The Opening Act is available to rent or own. So,
1: yeah. It's phenomenal too, buddy. That's still the thing that upsets me more than anything was that – you called me to be in it when I was fucking doing a festival. To be, but, of course, to play like a homeless guy, right? I was supposed to be like a... Yeah, Uptown promise.
4: Yeah, that says a lot about you. He didn't call me to play a homeless guy. He didn't do oh, that. Just, just think like how your brand right is move. you don't know
1: shit, I, my brand is homeless guy.
4: <laughs> I don't have the... Gra- you wouldn't have an Australian homeless bloke. Like, how bad did this holiday go?
1: Right? <laughs> can I get a dollar from you?
4: This guy's like, oh, fucking give me a dollar, will ya? Yeah, come on, you
1: <laughs> How did you get to America? Down now.
4: Yeah, I, I bought the <laughs> ticket, but I didn't think out the full trip.
1: <laughs> uh, Morty, go ahead. You got anything? Uh, just follow me
2: on Twitter, DJ Morty Coyle, and all my other information's up on there, everybody. And tell us how you love this show because we've had really great, ardent supporters coming up. Shout out to uh, JT, TJ. Shout out to TJ, who is one of our Big Fleece Army guys. And, you know, can't thank you guys enough for sharing your passion for this album, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, JT, you got anything? Even though you really didn't say anything? JT underscore podcast exec and ncpodcast.com for all our podcasts. Once again, guys, I can't thank you enough. This was so much fucking fun, man. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Jim Jeffries and Steve Byrne. Guys, check out... Jim Jeffries podcast. I don't know about that. It's on all platforms. It's with my buddy Forrest Shaw and Jim and it's hilarious. Make sure you check out Steve Burns podcast, Big and Hungry with Brian Callen. It's on all platforms. Once again, hysterical comedians, hysterical dudes. I love both those guys to death. For all things Jim, go to his website www.jimjeffries.com and follow him on all social media at Jim Jeffries. And for all things Steve, Go to his website, steveburnlive.com, and follow him on all social media at steveburnlive. Now, we just listened to Oasis from 1995 for new music this week. We got Nigel Clark from the band Dodgy. The track's called Here Today, and it's off of Nigel's new solo record, Make Believe Love, which came out in December. Dodgy were an English rock band that were contemporaries of Oasis and rose to prominence during the Britpop era of the 90s. Nigel wrote and recorded Make Believe Love in 2000. After Dodgy broke up, he returned to London and decided to mix and release the album with help from some of Birmingham's finest musicians. You can find all the links on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you want your music featured on the 500 because you were influenced by one of these albums or artists, send us your song, you fuckers, to 500 podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and artists that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is John Lee Hooker Week. We're going deep into his 1991 compilation record, The Ultimate Collection, 48 through 90. You got some homework to do. It's a E, but it's a strongie. Do your homework, listen to the record, stay fleecy, a doogle doogle. should be loud.